Chapter Seventy of Lorna Doone. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Daisy Fifty Five. Lorna Doone by R. D. Blackmore. Chapter Seventy. Compelled to Volunteer. There had been much trouble in our own home during the previous autumn, while yet I was in London, for certain noted fugitives from the army of King Mammoth, which he himself had deserted in a low and curious manner, having failed to obtain free shipment from the coast near Watersmouth, had returned into the wilds of Exmoor, trusting to lurk, and be comforted among the common people. Neither were they disappointed for a certain of the time, nor in the end was their disappointment caused by fault on our part. Major Wade was one of them, an active and well-meaning man, but prone to fail in courage. Upon lasting trial, although in a moment ready, Squire John Witchhazel, not the Baron, and Parson Powell, note, not our Parson Bowden, nor any more a friend of his our parson bowden never had naught whatever to do with it and never smoked a pipe with parson powell after it j r caught him two or three months before my return in farley farmhouse near breeden he had been up at our house several times and lizzie thought a great deal of him and well i know that if at all that time i had been in their neighbourhood he should not have been taken so easily. John Birch, the farmer who had sheltered him, was so fearful of punishment that he hanged himself in a few days' time and even before he was apprehended. But nothing was done to Gracie Howe of Bridgeball, who had been Wade's greatest comforter. Neither was anything done to us, although Eliza had added greatly to mother's alarm and danger by falling upon Rector Powell and most soundly rating him for his meanness and his cruelty and cowardice as she called it in setting men with firearms upon a poor helpless fugitive and robbing all our neighbourhood of its fame for hospitality however by means of sergeant boxham and his good report to us as well as by virtue of wade's confession which proved of use to the government my mother escaped all penalties it is likely enough that good folk will think it hard upon our neighborhood to be threatened and sometimes heavily punished for kindness and humanity and yet to be left to help ourselves against tyranny and base rapping and now at last our gorge was risen and our hearts in tumult we have bore our troubles long as a wise and wholesome chastement quite content to have some few things of our own unmeddled with but what could a man dare to call his own, or what right could he have to wish for it, while he left his wife and children at the pleasure of any stranger? The people came flocking all around me at the blacksmith's forge in the Breeden's alehouse, and I could scarcely come out of church, but they got me among the tombstones. They all agreed that I was bound to take the command and management. I bade them to go to the magistrates, but they said they had been too often. Then I told them that I had no wits for ordering of an armament, although I could find fault enough with one which had not succeeded. 
but they would hearken to none of this. All they said was, Try to lead us, and we will try not to run away. This seemed to me to be common sense and good stuff instead of mere bragging. Moreover, I myself was moved by the bitter wrongs of Marjorie, having known her at the Sunday school, ere ever I went to Tiverton, and having in those days serious thoughts of making her my sweetheart, although she was three years my elder. But now I felt this difficulty. The Dunes had behaved very well to our farm and to mother, and all of us, while I was away in London. Therefore, it would not be shabby and mean for me to attack them now. Yet being pressed still harder and harder as, day by day, the excitement grew, with more and more talking over it, and no one else coming forward to undertake the business, I agreed at last to this, that if the Dunes, upon fair challenge, would not endeavor to make amends by giving up Mistress Marguerite, as well as the man who had slain the baby, then I would lead the expedition and do my best to subdue them. All our men were content with this, being thoroughly well assured from experience that the haughty robbers would only shoot any man who durst approach them with such proposal. And then arose a difficult question. Who was to take the risk of making overtures so unpleasant? I waited for the rest to offer, and as none was ready, the burden fell on me and seemed to be of my own inviting. Hence I undertook the task, sooner than reason about it, for to give the cause of everything is worse than to go through with it. It may have been three of the afternoon, when leaving my witnesses behind, for they prefer the background, I appeared without Lizzie's white handkerchief upon a kidney-bean stick at the entrance to the robber's dwelling, scarcely knowing what might come of it. I had taken the wise precaution of fastening a Bible over my heart, and another across my spinal column, in case of having to run away with rude men shooting at me, for my mother said that the word of God would stop a two-inch bullet with three ounces of powder behind it. Now I took no weapons, save those of the spirit, for fear of being misunderstood, but I could not bring myself to think that any of honorable birth would take advantage of an unarmed man coming in guise of peace to them. And this conclusion of mine held good, at least for a certain length of time, inasmuch as two decent dunes appeared, and hearing of my purpose, offered, without violence, to go and fetch the captain. If I would stop where I was, and not being to spy about anything, to this of course I agreed at once, for I wanted no more spying, because I had thoroughly knowledge of all ins and outs already. Therefore, I stood waiting steadily, with one hand in my pocket feeling a sample of corn for market, and the other against the rock, while I wondered to see if it's so brown already. Those men came back in a little while, with a sharp, short message that Captain Carver would come out and speak to me by and by when his pipe was finished. Accordingly, I waited long, and we talked about the signs of bloom for the coming apple season, and the rain that had fallen last Wednesday night, and the principal dearth of Devonshire, that it will not grow many cowslips, which we were quite agreed to be the prettiest of spring flowers, and all the time I was wondering how many black and deadly deeds these two young innocent youths had committed ever since last Christmas. 
At length, a heavy and haughty step sounded along the stone roof of the way, and then the great carver doon drew up, and looked at me rather scornfully, not with any spoken scorn, nor flash of strong contumely, but with that air of thinking little and praying not to be troubled, which always vexes a man who feels that he ought not to be despised so, and yet knows not how to help it. "'What is it you want, young man?' he asked, as if he had never seen me before. In spite of that strong loathing which I always felt at sight of him, I commanded my temper moderately, and told him that I was come for his good and that of his worshipful company far more than my own, that a general feeling of indignation had arisen among us at the recent behavior of certain young men, for which he might not be answerable, and for which he would not condemn him, without knowing the rights of the question. But I begged him clearly to understand that a vile and inhuman wrong had been done, and such as we could not put up with it, but that if he would make what amends he could by restoring the poor woman, and giving up that odious brute who had slain the harmless infant, we would take no further motion, and things should go on as usual. As I put this in the fewest words that would meet my purpose, I was grieved to see a disdainful smile spread on his sallow countenance. Then he made me a bow of mock courtesy, and replied as follows. Sir John, your new honors have turned your poor head as might have been expected. We are not in the habit of deserting anything that belongs to us far less our sacred relatives. This insolence of your demand well nigh outdoes ingratitude. If there be a man upon Exmoor who has grossly ill-used us, kidnapped our young woman, and slain half a dozen of our young men, you are that outrageous rude, Sir John. And after all this, how have we behaved? We have laid no hand upon your farm. We have not carried off your woman. We have not even allowed you to take our queen by creeping and crawling treacherously, And we have given you leave of abstinence to help your cousin the highwayman and to come home with a title. And now, how do you requite us? By inflaming a boy's indignation at a little frolic of our young men, and by coming with some insolent demands, to yield to which would ruin us, or oh, you ungrateful viper. As he turned away in sorrow from me, shaking his head at my badness, I became so overcome never having quite been assured even by people's praises about my own goodness. Moreover, the light which he threw upon things different so greatly from my own, that, in a word, not to be too long, I feel that I was a villain, and with many bitter pangs, for I have bad things to repent of, I began in my leisure to ask myself whether or not this bill of indictment against John Reed was true. Some of it I knew to be, however much I condemned myself, altogether out of reason. For instance, about my going away with Lorna very quietly, over the snow, and to save my love from being starved away from me. In this there was no creeping, neither crawling treachery, for all was done with siding, 
and yet I was so out of training for being charged by other people beyond mine own conscience, that Carver Doon's harsh words came on me like prickly spinach sowed with raking. Therefore I replied and said, It is true that I owe you gratitude, sir, for a certain time of forbearance, and it is to prove my gratitude that I am come here now. I do not think that my evil deeds can be set against your own, although I cannot speak flowingly upon my good deeds as you can. I took your queen because you starved her, having stolen her long before, and killed her mother and brother. This is not for me to dwell upon now. Any more I will say much about your murdering of my father. But how the balance hangs between us, God knows better than thou or I, thou low miscreant Coverdoon. I have worked myself up, as I always do, in a manner of heavy men, growing hot like an ill-washed wheel revolving, though I start with a cool axle, and I felt ashamed of myself for heat, and ready to ask pardon. But Coverdoon regarded me with a noble and fearless grandeur, I have given thee thy choice, John Reed, he said in a lofty manner, which made me drop away under him. I always wish to do my best with the worst people who come near me, and of all I have ever met with thou art the very worst, Sir John, and the most dishonest. Now, after all my laboring to pay every man to a penny, and to allow the woman over when among the crouched grass, which is a sad thing for the grounds, to be charged like this, I say, so amazed me that I stood, with my legs quite open, and ready for an earthquake. And the scornful way in which Sir John went to my very heart, nay, rather the chance of mischief. I did my best to look calmly at him, and to say with a quiet voice, Farewell, Carver Doon. This time our day of reckoning is nigh. Thou fool, it is come, he cried, leaping aside with a niche of rock by the doorway. Fire! Save for the quickness of spring and readiness, learned in many a wrestling bout, that cavish trick must have ended me, but scarce was the word fire out of his mouth ere I was out of fire by a single bound behind the rocky plitter of the opening. In this jump I was so brisk at impulse of the love of life, for I saw the muzzle set upon me from the darkness of the caving that the men who had trained their guns upon me with good will and daintiness could not check their fingers crooked upon the heavy triggers, and the valley sang with a roar behind it down the avenue of crags, with one thing and another, and most of all the treachery of this dastard scheme. I was so amazed that I turned and ran at the very top of my speed away from these vile fellows, and luckily for me, they had not another charge to send after me, and thus by good fortune, I escaped, but with a bitter heart and mind at that treacherous upsitch. Without any further hesitation, I agreed to take command of the honest men who were burning to punish, ay, and destroy those outlaws, as now beyond bearing. One condition, however, I made, namely, that the counselor should be spared if possible, not because he was less a villain than any of the others, but that he seemed less valiant and above all, have been good to Annie, and I found hard work to make them listen to my wish upon this point. 
for all the dooms sir counsellor had made himself most hated by his love of law and reasoning we arranged that all our men should come and fall into order with pike and musket over against our dung hill and we settled early in the day that their wives might come and look at them for most of these men had good wives quite different from sweethearts such as the militia had women indeed who could hold to a man and see to him and bury him if his luck were evil and perhaps have no one afterwards and all these women pressed their rights upon their precious husbands and brought so many children with them and made such a fuss and hugging and racing after little legs that our farmyard might have been taken for an outdoor school for babies rather than a review ground mm. i myself was to and fro among the children continuously for if i love anything in the world foremost i love children they warm and yet they cool our hearts as we think of what they were and what in young clothes we hope to be and how many things have come across and to see our motives moving in the little things that know not what their aim or object is must almost or ought at least to lead us home and soften us for neither end of life is home both source and issue being god nevertheless i must confess that the children were a plague sometimes they never could have enough of me being a hundred to one you might say but i had more than enough of them and yet was not contented for they had so many ways of talking and of tugging at my hair and of sitting upon my neck not even two with their legs alike and they forced me to jump so vehemently seeming to court the peril of my coming down neck and crop with them and urging me still to go faster however fast i might go with them i assure you that they were sometimes so hard and tyrannical over me that i might almost as well have been among the very dooms themselves nevertheless the way in which the children made me useful proved also of some use to me for their mothers were so pleased by the exertions of the great gigi as all the small ones entitled me that they gave me unlimited power and authority over their husbands moreover they did their utmost among their relatives round about to fetch recruits for our little band and by such means several of the yeomanry from barnstaple and from tiverton were added to our number and inasmuch as these were armed with heavy swords and short carabines their appearance was truly formidable tom fagus also joined us heartily being now quite healed of his wound except at times when the wind was easterly he was made second in command to me and i would gladly have had him first as more fertile in expedients but he declined such rank on the plea that i knew most of the seat of war besides that i might be held in some measure to draw authority from the king also uncle ben came over to help us with his advice and presence as well as with a band of stout warehousemen whom he brought from doverton for he had never forgiven the old outrage put upon him and though it had been to his interest 
to keep quiet during the last attack under commander stickles for the sake of his secret gold mine yet now he was in a position to give full vent to his feelings for he and his partners when fully assured of the value of their diggings had obtained from the crown a license to adventure in search of minerals by payment of a heavy fine in a yearly royalty therefore they had now no longer any cause for secrecy neither for dread of the outlaws having so added to their force as to be a match for them and although uncle ben was not the man to keep his miners idle an hour more than might be helped he promised that when we had fixed a moment for an assault on the valley a score of them should come to aid us headed by simon carfax and armed with the guns which they always kept for the protection of their gold now whether it was uncle ben or whether it was tom fagus or even my own self for all three of us claimed the sole honor is more than i think fair to settle without allowing them a voice but at any rate a clever thing was devised among us and perhaps it would be the fairest thing to say that this bright stagman worthy of the great duke himself was contributed little by little among the entire three of us all having pipes and snaps and water in the chimney corner however the world which always judges according to reputation vowed that so fine a stroke of war could only come from a highwayman and so tom fagus got all the honor at least perhaps than a third of the cost not to attempt to rob him of it for robbers more than any other contend for rights of property let me try to describe this grand artifact it was known that the dunes were fond of money as well as strong drink and other things and more especially fond of gold when they could get it pure and fine therefore it was agreed that in this way we should tempt them for we knew that they looked with ridicule upon our rustic preparations after repulsing king's troopers and the militia of two countries was it likely that they should yield their fortress to a set of ploughboys we for our part felt of course the power of this reasoning and that where regular troops had failed half-armed countrymen must fail except by superior judgment and harmony of action though perhaps the militia would have sufficed if they had only fought against the foe instead of against each other from these things we took warning having failed through overconfidence was it not possible now to make the enemy fail through the same self-cause hence what we devised was this to delude from home a part of the robbers and by far surprise on the other part we caused it to be spread abroad that a large heap of gold was now collected at the mine of the wizard slopped and when this rumor must have reached them through women who came to and fro as some entirely faithful to them were allowed to do we sent captain simon carfax the father of little guinea to the manor interview with the counsellor by night and as it was secretly then he was to set forth a list of imaginary grievances against the owners of the mine and to offer partly through resentment partly through the hope of grain to betray into their hands upon the friday night by far the greatest weight of gold as yet sent up for refining 
He was to have one quarter part, and they to take the residue, but inasmuch as the convoy crossed the moors, under his command, would be strong and strongly armed. The dunes must be sure to send not less than a score of men, if possible. He himself, at a place agreed upon, and fit for an ambuscade, would call a halt and contrive in the darkness to pour a little water into the preeming of his company's guns. It cost us some trouble and a great deal of money to bring the sturdy Cornish man into the deceitful part, and perhaps he never would have consented but for his obligation to me and the wrongs, as he said, of his daughter. However, as he was the man for the task, both from his coolness and courage, and being known to have charge of the mine, I pressed him until he undertook to tell all the lies we required, and right well he did it too, having once made up his mind to it, and perceiving that his own interests called for the total destruction of the robbers. End of chapter 70 Recording by Daisy 55